So we have a special guest communicator today. His name is Mark Viswasam. All right, so I would love for us to give him a warm mosaic welcome. Thank you. Well, it's truly a joy to be here this morning. I've been here in Lincoln about a month now, just a few more days to go. And we met uh, Pastor Aaron uh, a few weeks ago, and then he said, well, you know, we'd like you to come and share. I said, great. It's a great opportunity. In fact, uh, when I see you, I, I remember our church back home in India. We have a small fellowship that meets in my house, actually. It's over a few hours ago because we are 10 hours, uh, 10 and a half hours behind. Well, I work with Kingdom's Harvest International. Kingdom's Harvest International began from Lincoln. And we have work in India. So my primary work in India with Kingdom's Harvest is to visit our church planters. We have people across the country who are involved in reaching out to people, uh, forming small groups and leading to small churches in the villages and also in Ethiopia. Here I am uh, in Lincoln with Tony and Erin. They are here right here. You can meet them as well after the service. They have been a wonderful host and I've been enjoying my stay here. Uh, I'd like us to see a slide that shows some famous figures that you might recognize. Do you recognize any of them? Maybe some. Some are Indian, so you may not recognize them. Well, you'll definitely recognize Mother Teresa. Okay, the reason I'm showing this is when I was growing up, I didn't go to church. I came to Christ as a student on the campus. After I accepted Christ, I was reading some of the biographies, some of the people that you might see here. You know, when I read some of these biographies, God began to speak to me and said, what would your biography look like? Have you ever asked that question to yourself? Okay, let's see the next one. You know, what would you write in your biography at the end of your life if you have an opportunity? As someone look at your life after you have lived very well in this world, what would they write about you? That was the question that I asked myself. That changed my whole thinking. Here I was an active student. Well, I didn't study hard, but I played hard. <laughs> I played an Indian version of rugby. So you can imagine that. You know, it was very tough sport. You know, Tony asked me, why did you play that sport? I said, because I was being kicked by my father a lot. I wanted to go and kick some more people. <laughs> well, I played a lot of sports. I did a little bit okay. I mean, okay with my studies. But when Jesus changed my life, I asked this question, what would he want me to do with my life? I said, well, one day I'd like to be like one of these people, that I would write my story. I'd write my biography to see how God has led me through my life wonderfully. Well, that's what we're going to look at from the scriptures today. I'd like you to meet a person from the Bible. Turn with me to the book of Nehemiah. Well, the chapter 1 of book of Nehemiah, he begins by saying, this is my biography. At least the Living Bible says that. The NIV says, 
the words of Nehemiah. So we will look at briefly today chapter 1 of this great man and what was his story. How did he change from where he was to go out to change the world? You know, when I read the stories of these great men, most of them had left something to go out to help change the world. Campus Crusade had this slogan for many years. Have you heard of Campus Crusade or crew? Okay, some of you. Right, when I joined, I, this statement attracted me. This is what they said, come, help, change the world. The desire was if we can win the campuses today, we could win the world tomorrow. Because only 1% of the world's population is on an university campus today. Maybe there's more in the U.S., but if you look at globally, that's true. In India, it could be just a few percent. So the autobiography that we see in this chapter, and this whole book about Nehemiah, is very touching. How could God use a simple man like Nehemiah to transform a nation? So I began to look at this chapter 1, and I came up with a few things that Nehemiah had very unique about him that we could learn from. Are you with me? Am I speaking English or Indian? Or Indian English? Okay. You know, they say why the British left India many years ago because they couldn't stand the Indian speaking English. Well, in chapter 1, we see Nehemiah was in a palace. He was an official serving the king. But that was not his primary concern. I would call that his career, not his call. He was fulfilling his career so well. You know, many people from Judah who had been taken away to serve these kings had returned back, but Nehemiah continued to stay. Maybe the king liked his service so much. He was cupbearer to the king. He was very well-trusted official in the king's palace. But yet, his call was to serve his people. Okay, let me read the first couple of verses, then we'll see one of the key characteristics of a man that God would use to change the lives of others, or to change an entire community, or even a nation. It says the words of Nehemiah. In the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, where I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. Okay, let's go to the next one. Here we see a great quality in this man. He was concerned for the welfare of the people. You know, you can imagine, Nehemiah had a good life. He was a highly placed official in the king's palace. He was a very well-honored person. He had a high position. But where was his heart? His heart was about his people back home. So he writes, when I was in the palace, I was doing this king's service, I saw these men, my brother Hanani and a few others who had come from Judah, I asked them, I questioned them about the Jewish remnant. What I see in Nehemiah is he was a man who was concerned for the lost people. 
He was a man who was concerned for those who were suffering. Maybe by then, Nehemiah had thought, well, some great men had gone back to Judah and they had rebuilt the temple. Things must be fine. But yet, he really wanted to know what was going on. Friends, one of the key things that we need to have, equality, is that we need to be concerned about others. If we want to make a difference in this world, if we want to write our story at the end of our lives, we need to begin today to see, am I really concerned for the lives of other people or I'm just so busy with myself? Let's move on. The second thing that I see in Nehemiah, if you read the next couple of verses, they said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burnt with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. When Nehemiah heard what was going on in Judah, that was his concern. But he didn't stop there. You know, in my world, I see people are very concerned for others, but that's all they have. They read the newspaper. They read great newsletters. Oh, good things are happening. They're just concerned, but they don't go beyond that. And we see Nehemiah, after he heard it, he was concerned through, he got the message through, but he didn't stop there. This is a great mark of a leader who is a transformational leader who begins to bring changes in the world. And Nehemiah, it says, when I heard these things, he says, I sat down and wept. Do you remember any other person in the Bible who wept? Jesus. Let's look at some of the things that, that Jesus was so concerned and so compassionate about. In Mark chapter 8, verse 2, Jesus says, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me for three days. I have nothing to eat. Jesus was filled with compassion, and that's why he would act with kindness and love going out of his way to serve the people. Here there were people who were listening to him for a very long time. And he couldn't hold it any longer because they were hungry. And he knew there was no other way they could feed them. He felt with compassion. He performed this great miracle of feeding them all that evening. You know, when we look at Nehemiah, there are a few things that he did that shows that he was not just a concerned person, but he was a compassionate person. I looked at the definition of compassion. Compassion is the emotion that one feels in response to the suffering of others that motivates a desire to help, the dictionary says. Let me say it again. Compassion is the emotion that one feels in response to the suffering of others that motivates a desire to help. Compassion is also, compassion also means a desire to go do something, begin with feeling what others were going through. If you look at the verses again that we just read, when, when I heard these things, I sat down and wept. What does it mean that Nehemiah was a compassionate man? 
we see how he, what he did. He was filled with sorrow and that showed in his weeping for his people. Friends, I'd like to ask you, our countries today are going away from God. When was the last time we wept for those people who are going away from God? You know, I remember when I came to Christ, I joined a small group of friends in my church. And they said, well, let's come meet together and pray. Most of the time I saw my friends were not just praying, they were weeping. They were young people. They were all students in college at that time. You know, God began to do some wonderful things in that church because there were a few people who were so concerned about the community. Even the people in our church, I grew up in a very traditional church. There was not much about much teaching of the scriptures. And God began to bring that into the church because a few young people really felt how God felt about that church. And to meet together... And prayed, you know, as a result of what Nehemiah heard, it says for some days, it's actually for 120 days. It was four months, even maybe more than 120 days. Four full months, Nehemiah, it says, fasted and prayed. Maybe not fasting for that long, he could not have survived. <laughs> but at least he kept on praying. Identifying with the people. Now, another definition of uh, compassion is, actually the word compassion comes from a Latin word which means co-suffering. You begin to suffer in your heart with those people who are suffering. Well, let's move to the next character that I see in Nehemiah that made him a great transformer. Let's read verse 5 onwards. O Lord God, I cried out, O great and awesome God who keeps his promises and is so loving and kind to those who love and obey him, hear my prayer. Listen carefully to what I say. Look down and see me praying night and day for your people Israel. I confess that we have sinned against you. When I read this, I said, why did you do this? The reason that God had sent the kingdoms like Assyrians, Babylonians, or Persians to destroy the nation of Judah was because they disobeyed him. And Nehemiah knew it very well. Unless those sins were confessed, God was not going to do anything. He says, I confess. He said, I and my people have committed the horrible sin of not obeying the commandments you gave us through your servant, Moses. He first confessed his sins, and then he began to confess the sins of other people in his nation. If God is going to do something in this nation or in my nation, there need to be people who come to him and say, God, we are sorry for what we have done. It's easiest to blame others for what is happening, but it's really hard to confess their sins before God. I live in a nation where idols are worshipped every corner. What do I need to confess about my nation? Is God, I feel so sorry 
for my people who do, who do not know they worship gods that are made by men and can you forgive this nation let me tell you a story of a few young men on my campus many years ago i think it was in the 50s and 60s they all started uh, as young people going to vacation bible school many children's lives were touched because they were going to summer school for learning the bible they came back after summer <clears throat> they were again teaching during the summer to children and god began to work in their hearts they met together for prayer as a small groups they call it friends prayer band you know few friends meeting together and pray well god worked in their hearts so much they began to cry out and pray to god like nehemiah it went on for some time and god kept speaking to them he said well i'm ready to hear are you ready to do something few of them stepped out of their comfort zone went to other parts of india where the gospel had never been preached well to make the whole story short this is now grown to be the largest mission organization in our country with thousands and thousands going out to the villages or to the tribes where gospel had never been preached where it began a few young people meeting together praying for the nation confessing the sin of the nation and asking god to do something and god said i want you to go so this is called friends missionary prayer band today a group of people who just began to pray for missions and they went out and they started sending our church was the first one to support a missionary to go and now is history when nehemiah prayed the first thing he did was he confessed 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 for days and mourned before god so he was a man who was very concerned he was a compassionate man and i see how god used this man was he was ready to humble himself before god and constantly confessing the sins or the wrong things the people were doing the fourth one as we move on his story is verse 8 then he said oh please remember that you told moses you said if you sin i will scatter you among the nations but if you return to me and obey my laws even though you are exiled to the farthest corners of the universe i'll bring you back to jerusalem for jerusalem is the place in which i have chosen to live we are your servants the people you rescued by your great power oh lord please hear my prayer heed the prayers of those of us who delight to honor you please help me now as i go and ask the king for a great favor put it into his heart to be kind to me i was the king's cupbearer nehemiah contented with god he had a great concern for the people he had a heart of compassion he could weep he could mourn but that's not where he stopped he kept fighting with god god you have to do something this has to stop your people whom you redeemed are suffering they don't have walls to protect themselves the gates are all burnt you promise if your people repent you would do something you would save them they would bring them back wherever they are here i am lord i am ready to go do something today very specific friends if you really want to make a change we need to pray the prayers of nehemiah
God, you said you will heal this land. You will change this nation. You will bring people back to you. These are all his promises, right? You said to go to the whole world and make disciples of all nations. That's your promise. I'll be with you always. We would do that. We need to keep praying. You know, Kingdom Service International is asking today, churches, Christians everywhere, would you begin praying with us for those millions who are lost without you? How many people need to be praying that kind of a prayer? Anyone, anywhere can join with someone, but in their own personal prayers can begin praying. Will God hear their prayers? Yes, God heard the prayers of Nehemiah. Well, Nehemiah was concerned, he was compassionate, he was contending with God, but he didn't stop there. A man with compassion would not just be concerned, not just be feeling it, but he'll be definitely doing something. Every time we see Jesus was filled with compassion, he did something. Well, we don't have time to go through the next chapter and the whole book. But I want to stop here and say, Nehemiah courageously stepped forward to complete the mission. Can we see that one? Nehemiah courageously moved forward. What it takes is courage. What it takes is commitment, courageous commitment to move forward with what God calls you to do. We could have great stories written about our lives. Maybe you would write your own autobiography one day. If you step out of where you are and to move where God wants you to go. Nehemiah could have been very comfortable, continued to serve as the cupbearer. He must have had a nice house. He must have, I mean, if he lived today, he would have had the best car because he was next to the king. He would have had everything he would have wanted in life, but that's not where he should have been. And as he prayed, God moved in his heart to go. Well, we know the story, right? Let's see that fort, uh, the wall that he built. Go, go to the next one. Okay, Nehemiah finished building the wall in how many days? Hello, good morning. Nehemiah finished building the wall in 52 days. Okay, it's not there. That's fine. <laughs> the wall disappeared as well after Jesus' time, right? Jesus prayed for the people in Jerusalem, and he cried, one day every stone on this wall will be taken out when he entered into Jerusalem because they did not accept him. That's what happened later in history. It was completely destroyed. Well, let's come to face our lives now. Most of the time when I tell people, you know, you should be doing something, uh, when God speaks to them, they may say, well, I'm not ready. You know, Pastor Rick Warren says most people respond in one of these three ways. Number one is self-doubt. Most people say, I could never do things like that. I'm not qualified. Well, it's because of fear. Most people don't respond to God's call because of fear. It's self-doubt. Second, he says, self-pity. 
He says, I have failed in the past so many times. I have made an attempt one time, but to get involved for God, to get involved in ministry and service, I burnt out. I don't want to do that. Self-pity. I've tried sharing the gospel. I've tried going to places. It didn't work for me. Self-doubt, self-pity. And the third one he says is self-consciousness. What will other people think if I do this? If I go and live in India, if I go to the slums where people are suffering and serve them, what would my family think about me? People will say, I'm a fanatic. The Bible says the fear of man brings a snare. It's a trap. Just in a few minutes, I'll close with the story of a young man who heeded God's call from the southern part of India. God said, well, you're finishing from one of the best universities, but that's not where I want you to be. I want you to go to this one particular tribe living in the northern part of India who had never heard the gospel before. This was in the late 70s. He said, God, me, I don't know how to speak. You know, God said, yes, you. His name is Jairaj. The word Jairaj means victorious king in, in Tamil language. So this is his story. Jairaj got married. He and his wife moved to this place. This is a tribe called Malto. I'd like you to maybe later go home and not now, you know, Google search and find out. This Malto tribe at that time had no missionaries. There was no witness for Christ. And that's where God said to go. Jairaj and his wife moved there and lived there, and they began to preach the gospel. Nobody would accept Christ. They brought a Jesus, Jesus film. You know, Campus Crusade produced a Jesus film in the late 70s. And he got it an opportunity to show them the film. He would go village to village and screen the movie, show the movie on, on a 16mm projector. People still did not accept Christ. A few years later, there is a terrible sickness in that area among the Malta tribe that killed many people called the cerebral malaria. Have you heard of this? You know, this is a very, very dangerous one. People who contacted normally died unless God did a miracle in their lives. Jairaj knew he was going to die unless he was taken to a hospital and the best treatment possible, maybe he had a chance to survive. But he decided not to go to hospital. He said, well, God brought me here. I haven't seen one person yet come to faith. Well, God may have a plan. He kept on. A few days later, his fever kept going higher and higher. His son also got the same disease, same sickness. And one night, both of them died. His wife cried, asked God to help, because there was no other missionary nearby. The village people heard a cry, and they came, the tribals who had never accepted Christ, never responded to them, but they helped him. They helped carry the body of Jairaj and his son. They had to walk five miles to the closest church to bury. When they came to the church next day, the pastor there took the opportunity to witness to all of those people who had come. And people began to accept Christ from that day. As more and more people responded, his wife said, I would continue to live in that place because they had one more son younger son and they both lived there a few months later the Jesus film was shown 
in the same villages again. This time, people all stood up after watching the film and they said, we saw this man on that day, Jairaj died. I said, where did you see him? We saw this sign on the cro- on the, in the sky. Exactly like what we see on the screen today, we saw it on that day. Though they had never heard about Jairaj before, but Jesus appeared in all those villages that day he died. His face was seen very clearly by those village people. But today, if you go to Maltos, most of them are Christians. Thousands upon thousands of them have come to Christ in the last 30 years. They have Malto pastors. They have Malto teachers who had never had education before. Jairaj's story is a great biography. What is going to be ours? Can we close our eyes and pray? I'm very sure God is speaking. God is speaking to us. He's spoken to many of us today. He wants to change us into revolutionaries. He wants to change us into transformational leaders. People who go out and transform lives, communities, and nations. Are we like Nehemiah? Say yes, Lord. Send me. Do whatever you want with my life. As D.L. Moody said, the world is yet to see what God would do in and through a man whose life is totally surrendered to God. Would you say, I would like to be that man. I would like to be that woman. That the world would say, how God has used this person. Gracious Father, we want to thank you for this privilege we have to look into your word this morning. Thank you for this wonderful biography of Nehemiah and how you touched his heart to be concerned, to be compassionate, to be constantly coming before and confessing the sins of people and in prayer that you would send him out to transform his people. Not just to rebuild the wall, but to rebuild the lives of people who were lost. Continue to minister to us in Jesus' name.